Welcome to Rebel Hour, a podcast chat with entrepreneurs who are rolling out brands that are empowering, inspiring, innovating, or causing a big stir. They aren't just doing things the same old way, they're doing it the rebel way. Hey, I'm Jennifer, host here of Rebel Hour and voice behind Lady Rebel Club. Let's dive in and meet this week's guest. Hi, everyone. So I am here with the lovely and amazing Shabnam Rakiva. Hello, how are you? Please introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a bit about yourself and your business. Good morning, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. It's lovely being here speaking to you. Um, I'm Shabnam Rakiba. I'm a residence coach working with women with chronic illness and pain. And I'm the founder of Thorns and Roses Coaching. I started coaching actually um, just right in the middle of a pandemic. I set up my business online everything is online and yeah so you co you work with women who have chronic illnesses um you know that's i'm sure not only is it much needed work uh you know and as someone who has a lot of chronic illnesses (laughs) i can attest to a lot of you know, where do you even start with that? That's like a whole, there's a whole lot of stuff there to unwrap, isn't there? So you've got obviously the physical aspects, um, you've got the stress, the anxiety, uh, the shame that we feel, um, you know, the burdens that others place upon us, you know, and not just what we place upon ourselves. And that's just personal stuff. That's the, <laughs> that's yeah. not even talking about, you know, everything that, you know, um, sort of impacts us with our business and how we, you know, as we're trying to grow our business. So how, what is it exactly that you do? So if I, if I was to come to you and say, Hey, you know, I've got blood cancer, I've got, you know, this perineal plastic syndrome, seizures, fibromyalgia, you know, whatever it might be, chronic fatigue, how, how would you start to help me? Okay. First, I guess I'll tell you a little brief on my history first, get you to understand why I do what I do right now. Um, so, um, 13 years ago, very suddenly, I came down with pain. So it was like, I was fine. One day I was fine. I went to sleep. I went to bed. And in the middle of the night, I woke up with pain. And basically, that was the last day that I was ever able to walk properly. From that day onwards, it's been 13 years, uh, my mobility has been affected. So basically that pain at that time, it eventually spread encompassing my whole body. And for 10 years, 10 years, I tried to get a diagnosis. 10 years, I tried to understand what's going on with me. And these 10 years were hard. They were tough. They were challenging. They were depressing. You know, not being able to understand why I'm in pain, running after doctors, scans, test and not really having the support I needed to help me understand how to live life again yeah you know and this is what has brought me here today um doing what I'm um with uh, the coaching um trying to support women going through this process so your question is if somebody was to come to me with I have this 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 and this I myself as a coach, I'm not on the medical side. So I'm not concerned with uh, 
disease per se, mm-hmm. but rather its impact on a person's life. Yeah. Right. As you so rightly said, it impacts you mentally, it impacts you emotionally, physically. It has an impact on every single aspect of your life. Chronic mm-hmm. illness, especially chronic pain, like I suffer from, has an impact on every single thing that I do. How I sit, how I stand, how I sleep, how I eat, what I eat. Mm-hmm. Every Very single so. thing. Every single thing. So my role, my role is to support women going through this process of getting unwell, being unwell, going through diagnosis, this confusion, this overwhelm, this depression, this not knowing how to ask for help or really what help do you need at this point? You know, what exactly do you need at this point to be able to move forward in your life? Because for the longest time, what I was doing, I was simply waiting for myself to get better, to get on with life. That's what I yeah. was doing. You wait. Do you know what? And that's such, <clears throat> just going to slightly interrupt you there, because that's such an important point that you make there. Um, that a point that I don't think a lot of people understand is that that whole process for a lot of us when we're waiting for a diagnosis, you know, and for me, it was the same years, you know, it took years to get my fiber, you know, myalgia diagnosis, 10 years, in fact, as well. Um, It took years, you know, to get my cancer diagnosis, which was misdiagnosed for years. You know, it took years, even to to figure out all these random things that were going on with me that they were happy just to kind of go, oh, well, sure, we don't know what's causing that. Mm -hmm. And it's that waiting, that waiting, that waiting, that waiting. And it's, it's almost like, you can't get on with your life. You can't make plans. You can't look forward because all you're doing is waiting. You're, you know, you're, you're waiting to get to see what you're going to feel like tomorrow. You're waiting to see, you know, what the doctor is going to say. And you have so many appointments and so many scans. I mean, I must've been at the doctors. I'm sure you were the same, the doctors or getting a scan or getting blood tests. I mean, it was every week, once or twice, you know, sometimes even more um, hospital trips and this and that. And it's that waiting, that waiting is excruciating, you know, and not just everything else, you know, that's going on with the illness and how it's impacting, you know, your life and your family and everything else. But even just that waiting is, I just think it's important to point that out because I think it, I think people need to understand. And this is, this is why, you know, I'm so passionate, probably like yourself in in working with women like us, you know, um, and for me, it's, you know, any hidden disability, um, you know, whether it's chronic pain, you know, whatever it might be, uh, because people don't always see it on the surface, you know, and some people might notice with me a little bit, if they really pay attention, you know, they might see the odd facial tick, or, you know, they might see me walk a little bit slow, or my gait might be a little bit funny, or, you know, I'm quite clumsy because of the loss of sensation with my fingers. But if I'm just sitting here like this, like you're just sitting here, people are going to look at us and go, well, like I said to you this morning, you look fantastic. <laughs> you look I, very I agree. vibrant, you know, and wonderful. And you said that to me, you get that all the time. And you know what? So do I, you know, I get that all the time. And although that's a great, it's great on one hand to hear that. Yes, I don't look exactly how I feel <laughs> because that wouldn't look, that wouldn't look very nice all, all the time. But at the same time, it makes it really hard for people to really understand to empathize, you know, to, to, to look at us and, and go, right. So how can I help, you know, is there something that, 
this person needs maybe a bit of support with, you know, is there a bit of understanding or empathy I need to give them because maybe they're not feeling hundred yeah. percent today. Um, but that waiting plays into that as well. And it's, I think for a lot of us that for me, that was a huge thing is really figuring out how to deal with the waiting. Um, you know, and even like over, especially with COVID, I know that had such a, an impact with, with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I think especially kids, you know, and people like us, um, you know, I had to postpone my treatment, one of my treatments for a year and having to sit and wait and wonder, do I do this now in the middle of COVID and here's the massive risk or do I wait? You know, who, yeah. how can you make a decision like that? You know, it was, it was near impossible, but again, it's that waiting and you, you have to, for me, that was a huge hurdle that I had to get over. I had to get over, right. I can't spend my life, you know, sitting on my backside, just waiting, waiting for things to happen, you know, waiting for something to change, waiting to see what the doctor said. I just, I just said, right. I have to start just living my life, you know, yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Um, I can absolutely understand because I went through the same. Yeah. Not having a diagnosis for 10 years meant that I was constantly chasing a diagnosis. I was constantly chasing a cure. That doesn't mean that I've given up on a cure or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And even nowadays, I have a diagnosis of endometriosis and fibromyalgia. Doesn't mean that I actually believe a diagnosis because I've been given so many different diagnoses in the past or misdiagnosis, I must say, mm -hmm. that really in myself I don't actually believe in the diagnosis but mm. I'm not chasing after a diagnosis so much anymore I'm not chasing after a cure it's part of my life it's part mm -hmm. it's something that I do yes but mm. it's not the whole of my life now um living life how it comes every single day how it is every single day and that was a transition uh, a really an important mindset transition that I had yeah. to go through, being able to accept that right now at this point in my life, this is where I am. Mm -hmm. You know, today I woke up and I'm in pain. All right, I'm in pain, yeah. which means I cannot go for a walk. All right, but I can still be sitting here with you, having this, talking to you, having this lovely <laughs> <laughs> there are still other things that I can do yeah. you know, it's a focus on what is it that I can do today yeah exactly. you know focus on this and it's a skill that I have developed over time looking at my body in terms of its parts and it's mm. very strange so because that's the interesting pain, the pain tends to move so there are some days where my legs would feel fine, which means on that day, I can go out, I can go to the mall, I can go groceries, <laughs> right? So those days where my legs are fine, I'll be going to all of these. Yes. Other days, um, they're not, which means I'll be sitting, I'll be lying in bed more, which means I'll be doing more stuff on my computer that day. Mm -hmm. I'll be doing all my computer work, administrative work, and so on. So... Uh, you tend to, I tend to look at myself in terms of the parts that are working well that day. Yes. Yeah. So not look at myself as a, my body as a whole, really. Okay. I'm not well today. Yes. My legs are hurting. Yes. Uh, I have back pain, but 
my arms are okay today. I don't have a headache today. There are other mm -hmm. things that I can actually do. And this has really helped me in terms of, you know, my daily functioning. This yeah. is how kind of I plan my day. Um, mm -hmm. How do I, how do I go about my day without losing time, without mm -hmm. simply sitting and, uh, you know, feeling depressed about the situation. That's it, you know, and that's, you know, helping women <clears throat> to kind of, like you said, come to terms and move through all of that is, like, I can't even stress how vital that is because it has such an impact and not just on entrepreneurs, you know, um, whether you're, you know, an employee, whether you're, you know, your job is looking after, you know, the kids in the house, you know, whatever it is that, that you do every day or that you want to do every day it has such an impact on it and being able to like you said figure out almost a system you know that kind of works and and our systems are probably very similar you know maybe slightly different um just because we're you know we're slightly different people and what we do is slightly different um but yeah it, it's and it's it's coming to terms with it but not accepting defeat with all of it absolutely and that's i think that again, that, that balance that can be very hard, you know, to get on your own because it's very isolating when you have all of this going on, because even your partner, you know, maybe your kids, your, your mom, your dad, your sister, brother, your friends, unless they have walked, you know, in those shoes and have had some kind of chronic illness or fatigue or pain or something of that nature, they really aren't going to understand, you know, they can try, but they really aren't because you can, it's hard to, you can't say to your partner every day, you know, um, and right now, this, yeah, it's a joke, you know, between my husband and I, um, especially now because he had a stroke, as you know, um, you know, a couple of a couple of years ago, and he had a lot of damage and nerve pain, and it really affected his right side. So I tease him going, he'll say, oh, well, my legs worse today. And I'll go, well, my, and he's going, no, well, you can't have the sore leg today. The, le the legs, mine. <laughs> the legs mine. And I'm like, no, it was my right side first. So that's how we cope. You know, we have that bit of laughter and that banter, you know, about it back and forth. And that that for us, humor, you know, is kind of a great is kind of a great um, tool that we use. But it's finding your own way, you know, and I think for a lot of us, if because it can be very isolating, this is why I think, you know, a lot of the work that you do is so important because you have to. You have to be able to see a way through it. You know, you have to be able to see a way through whatever that is going to be that works for you. Um, and it's, it can be very hard to do that on your own. Yeah, I'll pick on two things you said. You mentioned accepting without feeling defeated and the mm -hmm. humor. And the first part, acceptance, really is so important because there's so much um, misconceptions regarding um, acceptance. Because usually when you go to the doctors, medical professionals, they'll tell you, you just need to accept that's how it's going to be, you know, and this settles in our mind that basic acceptance means defeat. Mm -hmm. You accept it, that means you're defeated. That's not what it means at all. Acceptance simply means that right now at this point in time, this is where we are. We do yes. not know what happens tomorrow or the mm -hmm. day after. You cope with what is in front of you right now. And acceptance means that you are better able to cope with whatever is in front of you. I mm -hmm. always give the example of coming to a, uh, a lake which has frozen over, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you're walking on ground and you come to a lake which has frozen over and you have to go over it. You have to walk on it. You're going to adapt the way you walk. Yeah. If exactly. you want to pretend that you're still on ground, <laughs> you'll most likely fall in, right? Yeah. So you have to adapt and accept that right now I am on this frozen lake and I need to be creative and adapt. I the love way I that example. Forward, I love right? that. That's because good. if you do not, then there's disaster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So acceptance is not defeat. It has nothing to do with defeat. It's actually empowering yourself in I this moment. That. Empowering yourself in this moment to handle whatever comes your way. That's what it is. That's what it means to me. And that's what I convey to the people I work with. Now coming to your very uh, interesting <laughs> second thought about humor. I must say, like, like yourself, I'm a very funny person in my own way. I lose mm. use a lot of humor in my daily life because, like you just said, you cannot go every single day telling those around you that, oh yeah, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. I mean, I could mm. say that 24-7 because I'm in pain 24-7. Yeah. And I make sure that, yes, they know that I'm in pain, mm -hmm. but we still find ways to infuse humor in our life. Like for instance, um, my kids would usually ask me to do something for them or let's go out somewhere, let's do this. And instead of saying, no, I can't do it today because I'm in pain or whatever, I'll say something like, I really, really want to go, but my legs won't allow me today because they don't <laughs> want to walk. So yes. we always have these ways of explaining and bringing oh, in some humor in it instead mm. of making it a stressful situation you know mommy wants to do it but mommy can't do it rather yes, yes mommy wants I to love do that. it but my legs are not cooperating today that's what it is but I really do want to go out I really do want to go for a walk let's find something else that we can do here where my legs would be happy and you know what I'm just gonna pause you just for a second there as well because I just want anyone listening <laughs> to really just take that in because that is really, really powerful. And not only just, you know, the, that the fact that acceptance is not defeat, you know, that's powerful within itself, but I love that, you know, that tool really, you know, that you've just shared of, you know, how you can communicate that, especially with kids, right? Um, because even though my kids are, you know, a little bit older than yours, it's hard at times, you know, and you, you get that, that mom guilt, you know, on top of everything else as well, because it's like, oh, I would love to go and do this, but I can't. Or, you know, we go to the park and, and stuff a lot. And I can't do all the things, you know, yeah. like I used to be able to do with them um, or for as long as I used to be able to do for them. And that's really hard, you know. And I love that example of talking about the legs and saying, yes, mommy would love to do this. My legs just won't let me because it takes the emphasis off being you and mom mommy like you said mommy can't do it or it being about you as a whole person but it's 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 letting them kind of say oh it's let them I think express themselves as well perhaps without maybe feeling bad or guilty because they can then say well I wish your legs would feel better you know but they would never say that they wouldn't want to say that to us you know um well my my youngest would because he's very blunt <laughs> but but normally, you know, they wouldn't. And yeah, so I really, I just hope people take that in because I think that's, 
I love that. In fact, that's something I'm going to use because <laughs> so there you go. See, I've that's learned something so, today as well. So that's um, what it's lovely. Yes, the that's a powerful. Guilt, the mom guilt. I mean, I oh, can't. Don't even. How, where do you even start with that one? <laughs> where do you even start? I, I used to feel a lot of mom guilt. I mean, my kids are like teenagers now and I have a little one who's five. But when the older ones were younger, when they were like three or four, I remember this uh, moment. I still remember it 10 years after where I I was driving. I went to pick them up from a club, an art club, and Mm -hmm. we were near a park. And ideally, I would have loved to stop and go to the park, have a picnic in the park like I was watching everybody else doing you know, pick up their kid from the art club and go to the park. Yeah, yeah. But I was even having trouble driving that day, just getting mm. there, picking them up. That was a lot. And I still remember the suffering, the pain mm. that I felt at this moment. It was something very deep because I still remember it so vividly today. Yeah. And I've lived with guilt definitely for a long time but now I would say I've been able to understand that whatever illness I have whatever limitations I have they do not necessarily need to impact on my kids Mm -hmm. in terms of yes maybe there are some stuff that they want to do but I cannot do with them but Mm -hmm. there's so much more that they are getting in terms of learning in terms of first thing independence because I have very independent kids Mm. they can handle themselves very well I could be lying in day uh, in bed all day long and I wouldn't have to worry about them at all even Mm. the youngest because the eldest would be taking care of her I have independent kids um they are very sensitive to people who are different Mm. and that is amazing difference that's fantastic different physical um, abilities and so on they mm-hmm. are so in tune so sensitive mm-hmm. you know I know that my kids are going to grow up to be adults who are caring and compassionate and inclusive yes yes and that is yes. so powerful we tend to forget Definitely. what the kids are learning along the way the other day my daughter said oh I don't know what we were speaking about and she said but mommy you know you are disabled and so on she was speaking and the way she said the word because oftentimes when people would say words like um you are disabled they'll say it with pity or they'll say it with sadness or Mm. they'll say it in a way that you don't want really to be saying it you know but she said it so normally like you know it's part of life Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it happens and so on and I was impressed you know, because I know that when she is in a an, an environment where she's meeting someone who has different abilities from herself, you know, that's going to come out. And she will be treating people around her with care, with compassion, sensitivity. And that for me as a mother, that's amazing. I've done my job. Oh, you know, 100%. maybe I haven't yeah. been able to take them to the park every day. Maybe I haven't been able to play with them every day, but I've done my job as a mom you know yeah I've raised caring human beings that's it and and I think that's like you said it's it's realizing you know the positives that they can get out of it and it's just shifting you know some of that thought process that we have you know and for us we ended up having you know very much a dynamic now my my eldest like when he was younger 
I was at the park with him a lot as well. You know, I was very active with him and did all kinds of things with him. And, you know, as he got older and then as, as Callum came along, really from when Callum was a baby <clears throat> and, and sort of moving forward, little by little, you know, my, my illnesses and different things, you know, started to affect me more and more. And like when Callum was, you know, five and six and things like that, it was much harder, you know, and I definitely could see the difference in, you know, how I was with Callum than how I was with, you know, my eldest. And what I, you know, what I, <clears throat> excuse me, what I started to realize was kind of like what you were saying, it was, it was just doing things differently. So, you know, before Sean's stroke, he then would be the primary one to take them to the park or to do different things kind of outside with them. So yes, I would maybe go, but I would maybe go and sit, you know, or do something like that. And he would go and play football <laughs> for six hours, you know, because I just couldn't do that anymore. Um, but I did more in the house with them. So I did all the arts and the crafts and would do the reading, you know, and played board games and cards and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, watch movies um, and build tents, you know, so all this kind of great, you know, like you said, skill building. So, you know, helping them with their imagination, you know, helping them with their reading. And because they were seeing me and how I had to adapt, yes, it was showing them, like you were saying, empathy and care and things like that. But also it's showing them, look, you know, life isn't a bed of roses always. You have to also, you can't just lay there feeling sorry for yourself always, you know, and one of the things I've tried really hard to instill into my kids and really with anybody, you know, that I speak with is the philosophy of it can always be worse. How can it be worse? And let's think about that. I mean, the world, unfortunately, you know, isn't always a very happy place and there's a lot of worse, you know, going on. Um, and that makes us feel grateful, even though maybe our situation isn't ideal, but it makes us feel grateful for the situation that we have. But at the same time, we can always say it can always be better. So how could the situation be better tomorrow? Or how could it be better next year? And that kind of gives us that hope that, you know, um, to continue, you know, to continue on. Um, and it keeps us, I think, you know, a bit balanced. So, yeah, so very much in line, you know, maybe used in a slightly different way, but again, very, very sort of aligned tools um, in the toolbox. Absolutely. But that's fantastic. Yeah, I think you've shared some great... Stop. important word you said there mm. hope you know hope. yes yes because um i've noticed what happens is hope is so strange because mm. it comes let's say you have a new treatment which comes a new doctor you're meeting a new mm. doctor you're trying a new diet and there's this hope right naturally this hope arises and then you go through this process sometimes of the treatment not working. Yeah. And you can feel the hope going down. You can feel her, the heartbreak, right? Mm -hmm. And I've noted that sometimes we tend to stain the heartbreak and shy away from hope completely. Yeah. And tell ourselves, okay, what's the point of trying this? But I already tried this. Mm -hmm. What's the point of trying this again? It won't work anyway. You know, I've tried dozens. Yeah. Why would this one work? So we give up on hope. Mm -hmm. We completely give up on it because we don't want to go through the heartbreak again. Yeah. And like you said, life is not a bed of roses. It's the ups and downs, the struggles, mm -hmm. right? The life that we are living 
as people, as women with chronic illness, it's something that is part of our life. It's not only the positive and the roses, there are the negatives and the thorns, and we need to be able to build the resilience and the courage to accept that. Yes, and that's exactly. the most important, because otherwise you're just going to break. That's all. Yeah. You're just going and that's to- what happens. And, and I think, again, another important point, it's, it's nobody can take those steps for us either. You know, it's, it's, and you hear like people talk about mindset and motivation and all of these different kinds of things, you know, and you can have those exterior forces, you know, and you can say the affirmations and you can, you know, sit and go, I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to, you know, do this and I'm going to pull this card and read this affirmation that's on the mirror. And I'm going to, you know, I'm taking this course or this joining this group or doing whatever that's going to motivate me. And no, <laughs> Thank you. All of that stuff can help. Don't get me wrong. You know, thinking about, you know, yes, these are goals that I have, things that I want to happen, you know, things I want to achieve. Yes. Think about it. You know, bring that positive energy, you know, in, call it in, um, say affirmations. Yes. Again, it's, it's, you know, not, we don't want positive toxic, you know, uh, toxic positivity. I know that's another subject you're going to want to talk about for sure. Um, but yes, having that, you know, that, that trying to be positive about things and having that hope, um, and motivation, for me, it's that internal motivation. Say if we're not going to be internally motivated and motivate ourselves, we're not. We're not going to take the steps. You know, we're not going to take the steps to, to you know, have that acceptance. You know, nobody can really. People can help guide us, but we have to do the work. You know, we kind of have to do the work ourselves. I think, and I think, yeah, um, I know. Positive. Yes, we were had mentioned. You know, the toxic positivity, and. It's, it's that balance, isn't it, of, of having that positive uh, and having hope, but just having this, you know, and it, it's like this cheerleader from hell, excuse my language, because I know you don't curse, but going, yay, everything is happy and fantastic and constantly, it's like, you just want to run them over with a tractor, because <laughs> very vivid visual there, sorry. Um, but you do I mean it's really irritating isn't it um, absolutely. Um, yeah absolutely because what happens is oftentimes when we disclose what we are going through what we hear is okay you just need to you know find a distraction or you know just look on the positive side or cheer up it's all right and when we're disclosing something what we're actually saying is that I need you to listen to me that's all yes. you know I don't need yeah. you to give me this toxic positivity and yet we need to differentiate between being positive and being toxic mm -hmm. yeah i i try to in my own life and with uh, the women i work with put it across as let us forget about this notion of positive and negative emotions mm -hmm. we made this up if an emotion exists, it means it's natural, it's valid, it's here for a purpose. We cannot label emotions as positive or negative, whether it is anger or jealousy or whatever it is, because mm. it's here because it has a function, it has a purpose, it has a reason. Even yeah. anger sometimes, if you think about it, it gives you motivation, it helps yeah. you push forward, it helps you move forward when you are in a very difficult situation. It can be very positive. Yeah. At times. yeah yeah so there's no we try, let's try to get rid of a label of positive mm. and negative and just look at emotions as 
something that all humans are meant to experience. We are supposed to be open to the whole range of uh, human emotions. Mm-hmm. If I have come across people who are positive, like always positive, what I actually hear them saying is, I don't know how to cope with my unpleasant emotions. That's what I hear. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know how to cope, how to handle it. So I suppress it. I pretend it's not there. Mm -hmm. But the more you suppress something, the worse it gets, you know? So we need to be able to embrace um, the everything, the pleasant Mm -hmm. emotions and the less pleasant ones and see how can we make it work for us? Like if one day I wake up, I'm not feeling too well in my skin. What do I need to do that day to, you know, sit with the discomfort, embrace it and Mm -hmm. allow it to dissipate naturally rather than forcing a, forcing a cheerful face, forcing a pretend, pretend uh, positivity, let's say, and pretend that I am, I am in awful pain, I can't move from bed, but I'm being all positive, I'm cheering up, yay, what's the (laughs) truth, it's not real, it is not real, and we we keep putting this pressure on women with chronic illness, but you must feel positive, you know, just look at the Mm -hmm. bright side, no, let's embrace everything, because that's what life is about. And that's denying, like you said, part of ourself as well. And, you know, you can't do that because it comes back and it makes things even worse. You know, it either builds up, you know, and probably crashes down on you at some stage. Uh, But yeah, I think that there's, you know, and I think that's from the point of view as well, um, and whether it's just in your personal life, you know, around your family and friends and whatnot, if you're, you know, um, around your employer, around, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and around your peers, you know, or whatever it might be, again, there's that stigma of hiding it, isn't it? (laughs) Just, just smile and don't let people know. And, you know, and it'll be okay. And, you know, like you and I were having a conversation, um, you know, before this, and I was telling you, I was bumping into walls. (laughs) I'm on my way to get to the desk this morning, had, you know, a bit of a late start, didn't get everything done in the morning didn't have a great week last week, although I hadn't had a lot of kind of general flu or illness or sinus stuff in a while. So I said, right, that's okay. But I could feel that, you know, the sensation in my, on my left hand side of my face was getting worse. Um, and I very much feel like I have a really big bout of, uh, well, vertigo, I have vertigo, you know, happening right now. And I'm sitting here, I'm okay. And, you know, I'm okay if I'm sitting and doing this getting up and walking, you know, around or something right now, I couldn't do. And as this gets worse through the day, you know, I don't know, I'll have to wait and see, you know, I might end up, you know, talking to you later, you know, <laughs> down on my side, but it's just, you know, does that mean I'm going to let everyone see me, you know, walk around and, you know, being nauseous or doing this? No, but it's not hiding, completely hiding it either. And I think if we all start to be a little more real, you know, again, we don't have to show every single, you know, bump and wart and, and, and thing that's going on. But I think we have to stop pretending that we have to put on these perfect masks. Oh, I have to show up for my business now, or I have to, you know, I have to go to work now, or I have to, you know, go pick the kids up from school. Now. I don't want the teachers to know that, you know, I'm having a bad day or I'm in pain today or whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's just being, it's trying to just be a little bit, a little bit more real about it because that lets us, that kind of, it, it, for me, it's almost like a pressure cooker. 
you know, we feel like a pressure cooker. And if we can do that, yeah, not laying it all, all out on a plate, obviously, but if we can just, you know, turn the knob <laughs> a little bit to let, you know, a little bit of the pressure out, a little bit of the steam out, then so much, you know, during the day, you don't necessarily feel like, oh, right, I have to, I'm going to explode, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, well, if you had one, uh, there's so much, I mean, we could talk, in fact, I, there's already two or three more topics we're going to have to talk about again, <laughs> that we could dive into. Um, I suppose if you were to leave one inspirational or hopeful or, you know, um, empowering thought or tip or something for some, for, for someone who might be listening, what would that be? I would say that with chronic illness, like we spoke about, there's a huge impact on every aspect of life. But the biggest impact is on one's own self, where you feel disconnected from your own self, where you tend to feel as if you've lost yourself. You know, the first step um, towards um, empowerment and moving forward in life with chronic illness is fixing your own self. And this is how I support women, help them fix this sense of self so they can go on and be change makers in their own life, be able to advocate for themselves, you know, with medical professionals yeah. in their, at the workplace, um, in their life, in their relationships, in society. Basically, what, when you work on your own self, you end up creating this ripple then right? You're like a ripple which just spreads. And so that's what we need to be right now. We need to be change makers. And it starts with us, you know, Start with um, us. Yeah. we cannot keep waiting for things to change around us. Mm. Yes, we have laws, we have rules against, against discrimination, don't uh, treat others uh, like this or like that, and so on. But we need to take a step forward. We need mm -hmm. to be the change makers, right? It starts with us. It starts with me, with you, with all of us. And yeah. that's like these little ripples which create the wave, basically. That's what Oh, I love that. Oh, chili bumps. <laughs> the little ripples that create the wave. That's fantastic. There's so many great quotes you've said today. I'm going, oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. I've tried to take sort of notes of them and like write them down, you know, very carefully so people can see. <laughs> but brilliant. Well, listen, Jablon, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking with you today. Thanks very much for being here. Um, I'm going to get all kinds of goodness from you um, for anyone listening or watching. So if you want to connect with Shatnam, you know, you'll, you'll find her socials on uh, her website and all that kind of great stuff. Um, and I would encourage anyone, you know, to reach out because I've gotten to know her a little bit, you know, quite a, a little bit, I would say, you know, over the past, you know, couple of months, we've had um, several conversations and she's absolutely fabulous. So, and very real as well. And funny. Yes, you are. <laughs> so thanks Thank very much so for much. being here. Okay. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. You're very welcome. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.